Hello, this is Reverend Colette Duval-Pondella. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom podcast in Nature's Classroom on Nature's Path. Joining me today is the beautiful, magnificent Takoda. It means friend to everyone. He was my Valentine's Day gift, and he is my heart, and always has my heart. He's our alpha male, and he's an incredible dad, and an incredible, magnificent spirit. And he's here to help me talk today about follow your heart. So everybody here knows Dakota. So I'm just going to let him go make the rounds of whatever he wants to do, as long as he stays out of the goodies. But um, the name of my talk this morning is called Follow Your Heart. And um, I chose Dakota because uh, it's hard to imagine. But we literally, when we had a choice to bring him home, that we almost didn't. So there was a, a long moment and a long stretch of what we were going to do. And I'll just remind um, you of the little bit of that story, was that um, Shadow, um, before we got her amazing treatment in Colorado State University and did the SRS, which they have the only... Um, radiation machine, that state-of-the-art machine in the country for veterinary medicine. So we were waiting to gather the money to get there and to go. And um, on Valentine's Day night, we got a phone call that there were puppies and that were, they were black ones. And, um, and it was because Henry, who is the Native American there that runs that sanctuary, um, thought that maybe Shadow had passed and we wanted another black one, which we didn't. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> you know, Paul was really, his face lit up, you know, at the thought of it. And um, for those of you who don't know the story, my response was like this. Do you suppose that that is the most responsible thing for us to do right now? And then I watched my body language and I felt like my mother. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> What are we doing here? And then I remembered our dream. I remembered what we were doing. I remembered why we were doing what we were doing. And um, I thought, okay, well, we're supposed to have a pack of wolves. Let's go check it out. And so we made the decision to climb in the car the next morning and drive all the way up to Northern California. Yes, I know. Then we woke up that morning and Shadow's nose was bleeding, which is where her cancer was originating. And we called the vet, and the vet said, um, that's not good. You know, you hear that sound that's coming from a very deep, kind of universally truthful place. And um, we hesitated again. You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to or we aren't? And, you know, after a long discussion, what we did was we said, no, we have this dream. We can go check it out. And, of course, Paul's chiming in in my ear as long as it's a girl. <laughs> as long as it's a girl. <laughs> so we're driving, and I'm going, I, we're going to come home with a wolf or not come home with a wolf. And um, it will be for the highest good of our pack and our pack family and our dream. And that's what I was praying for. And Paul's like, as long as it's a girl. <laughs> And so we got there, and the only girls that were there were the black ones. 
And um, I had no resonation with them. Probably because I was a little blocked because I wasn't looking to replace shadow. Do you know what I mean? Which is what it would have felt like. And um, Henry pulled out Dakota and said, I think this one's yours. And I said, male or female? And he said, he's a male. <laughs> and I said, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't look. <laughs> Paul says no female. You know, it has to be female only. And, um, you know, Dakota was not the most beautiful puppy and magnificent as he is now. He was a little grayish with this kind of purpley-orange crown around his head <laughs> and this black streak down his back. And um, he really wasn't like, oh, yes, this one, do you know what I mean, invisibly. But he had, the light was still on, do you know what I mean? The light was emanating. But all I could hear was male. He's a male, can't do it. He's a male, can't do it. So then I was like, okay, well, fine. You know, the highest good for our pack is not here. We took a little trip. Do you know what I mean? We got to see some puppies. I got to meet Alaska's mother. <laughs> and uh, and um, we went around the corner. Paul said the, the, the father's in the back. And there's two black brothers. One is Wakan's father and one is Dakota's father. And I turned the corner. And I literally, I saw these black wolves and like made like three to four steps back involuntarily <laughs> because they were so big and so stunning and I had never seen anything like that before. And Paul was over there and we went to meet him and they were licking me like Wakanda's through the fence, you know, with you guys and stuff. And um, Paul said, what do you think? And I go, there's only one available, and he's a male, unless you want a black one. And he's like, no. And he goes, well, let's go see. And he takes off down, you know, down the yard. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> I was like, you better be sure, because I'm not touching it if I can't take it. You know? And he's like, come on. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> so we go around the corner, and Paul picks him up first. You know, Henry picks him up and gives him to Paul. And he sees him, and then he gives him to me, and I've got him in my arms. And he puts his head right in the nook of my elbow and just settles in and gets really, really quiet. And I looked at Paul and I said, if you think you're going to take him away from me now, <laughs> that isn't happening. And he goes, okay. And of course, the next thing to do is to take him and introduce him to Shadow in Alaska. Now, Shadow, as sick as she was, she came to him, and she nudged him, and she took him in, and Shadow came, and Alaska came up and smelled him and went back to the, to the back of the truck and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> so we came home with him, and um, I bought one of those, you know, those baby carriers that you wrap around your body, and he lived in there for about two days because he could climb out really, really fast. Um, but um, it really was... Um, time um, for Shadow to go to Colorado, whether we could afford it or not. And so um, he was about, he was 13 days old when we got him, and we left within that week. So I'm bottle feeding <laughs> while we've got Shadow, and we hit the road. And this was February, um, this is in late February, the, you know, crossing over Vail Pass in the middle in the dead of winter, and getting there and getting there to get her the treatment that she needed. 
So when I say follow your heart, you know, the, the decision that we were making was not just for the highest good, but the thing that got us there to bring him home was the dream, not the circumstances. If you go with the circumstances, then outside, you're asking, actually asking for the outside world to dictate your happiness, where you're going to end up, what your relationships are going to be, what you choose, what you deny yourself. I can't imagine my life without this boy at this time. Do you know what I mean? From the very get-go, I can't imagine. And for those of you who don't know and could not experience the relationship between Shadow and this one and the purpose of getting her a puppy so she had a purpose to live was one of the most beautiful things I've ever gotten to witness in my life. And it, it solidified, you know, I use that word embodied. It embodied my sense of hope. It embodied my sense of faith. It embodied everything that I believed that life could be. Even though Shadow passed away, and I spent a good two years depressed about that because I couldn't save her, that my faith and my hope and Dakota and everything that we did for her could not save her life. And so on a, on a, a, a universal kind of, you know, great mystery kind of way, I have to step back and just know that the gift that I got was the gift that I got. And that her life and whether she was going to live or die was not up to me. Because we did everything we could possibly do for her. And we know that she knows that and we have no regrets about that. And so it's one of the most proudest moments of my life and also that gives me a sense of credibility to stand up here and tell you to follow your heart. No matter what. And let that part of you, that intuitive, unique thing that you came here to be and to be in you, to listen to, that drives you where you need to go, that that is where you always go no matter what. And despite those circumstances, it would have been probably the most responsible thing to do, <laughs> with the quotations around it, to not go get a puppy when Shadow was bleeding, you know? And yet our whole lives would be, I don't even know where we'd be. We certainly wouldn't know this creature and I wouldn't have the life that we have now. So you can't second guess those things, you know, you can't go back and go if onlys, you know, shoulda, woulda, couldas, you know, all of those things that we do to ourselves. All I know is that this magnificent creature is in my life and has filled my heart with love in a way that I don't know was didn't know was possible at the time. Robert Bulwer Lytton says, a good heart is better than all the heads in the world. <laughs> so with that, we'll just do our opening meditative song. Just sit in your chairs and let go of anything that does not belong inside of you. Don't hold on to anything. Let the chair hold you. Mother Earth has that chair. You cannot fall. 
evidence to the contrary or appearances to the contrary that there is a creative energy an intelligence that is the creator of all things seen and unseen and that we are made of this magnificence so if you think of the most magnificent thing on the planet in the world that gives you joy that lightens your heart that thing you are not unlike of that thing that you think is the most beautiful thing in the world, you are made of too. The Native Americans believe that we are all one, our relations, all of our relations. And that means the air and the molecules and the marrow down inside your bones. We are all connected. And that this universal truth, I believe, informs you and gives you what you need to make it through this difficult, loving, magnificent, sometimes overwhelming life. And that inside of you, your heart's desire, if you follow it, is taking you wherever it is that you are supposed to be in order to fulfill your divine purpose, which I believe we were all born to do. And that no one, anywhere, can fulfill it in any way, shape, or form better or instead of you. You are here for a purpose and a reason. And it is your job to express yourself truly as yourself, as your true self, authentically, as best you can. You are worth it. You deserve it. And that's why you're here. And so I praise and I thankful for all the good that has come to me now, before now and the good that is here and the good that is coming into infinity because I believe we live forever in that way. And so I release my words knowing there is universal truth to them and I put them and let them be held in the hands of this grace, this intelligence, this thing that we are made of that flows in, around, and through us always. And I can say, and so it is, 
with confidence. And I can say amen if that's what works for you. I can say aho, namaste, however it is that you can solidify these principles inside your body and so that you can wake up knowing who you are every day and express perfectly as you. Carl Jung says your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside awakes? Carl Jung is the is the author and the founder of modern psychology. He didn't say look in here. <laughs> he approached it from the heart. Shannon Adler says to love someone with all of your heart requires reaching them where they are with the only words they can understand. And isn't that the hardest part of this whole job that we have to do with each other and for each other? Is to find the appropriate words to say what needs to be said. Do you know what I mean? In the here and now, hoping that, you know what I mean, with as much truth as possible in a way that they can hear. Well, I think that's where it gets all kind of tripped up in, in, in places. Do you know what I mean? Rumi says, let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. <sighs> what you really love. I love this quote. I keep bringing it back. <laughs> Follow your heart, but take your brain with you. <laughs> your heart might be telling you some stuff that can put you at risk that can put you, others at risk you know what I mean you still need to take your brain with you you can go skydiving but make sure the parachute's going to work and that takes some deliberate thinking <laughs> piecing together and putting together it's still a risk to me that I'm never going to take, but a lot of people do it because they have the confidence that that parachute will open and that the secondary thing will open. Do you know what I mean? But you don't just go, oh, I'm going to jump out of plane. Who packed my chute? You know? <laughs> That's why you pack your own chute. I don't know if you know that, but I learned from a skydiver, you pack your own chute. That way you are responsible. You know who packed it and what it is. Katie's back there going, me too. Somebody would have to supervise me every single step of the way. Did I do it right? Because <laughs> I'm not jumping otherwise. Susie Kasem says, some people will follow their minds without listening to their hearts. And others will follow their hearts without listening to their minds. This is why reason exists, for there to be balance between the heart and the mind. We were not meant to follow the mind and ignore the heart. Instead, we were meant to follow the heart over the mind but without completely abandoning logic. The middle way is the preferred way, and this path simply means to allow your heart to drive you, but do not forget to balance reason with your conscience. The map to our guidance lies within. Always follow your heart. When your heart feels at peace, rest assured you are on the right track. 
You know, and I think one of the hardest things that I've had to learn along this way is that which is my heart's desire? You know what I mean? And which one is where I'm plugged in and I think I'm doing the right thing, but for all the wrong reasons, and then who's influencing that choice? And you know what I mean? It's like deciphering whether it's your heart. And then trying to figure out all the little voices that kind of come in. Do you know what I mean? To interfere, to keep you in your place rather than your peace of mind and letting you go forward where you're supposed to go. You know? I remember in New York, I was, um, when I first moved there, I was working in restaurants because that's all I knew. And I got this great job in a great restaurant, like the highest end restaurant I've ever done. I was making $1,800 a week in 1992. Until I couldn't anymore. I couldn't anymore. And I quit. And I said, I can't do this with my life anymore. And so I took a job in an office. I've never worked in an office before. And most offices needed computers, and I didn't know how to turn one on. But I found some guy I was introduced to who does entertainment for companies, was willing to teach me the computer, but he was old school, and he liked hiring entertainers because he was an entertainer himself, and he wanted to give actors a job. And I left my $1,800 a week job for my $300 a week job. No tips. I never had any cash. I'd never lived without cash before. <laughs> it was disconcerting, to say the least. Do you know what I mean? But I, I took the opportunity to follow my heart, to jump and take a leap of faith into what I was supposed to do next and what I was there in New York to go do. And I was not there to work 60 hours in a restaurant. That's not what I would left and went there for. So eventually, I had a, um, another worker there who taught me how to use the computer. And so I learned how to do a document. <laughs> and then I started writing, and I started creating, and then I started teaching a year later. And he allowed me to use his office to make the copies and the flyers that I needed and to work on the computer that I didn't own. Do you know what I mean? That person only had $300 a week to offer. But what he gave me was the rest of my life and the way it was going to look from there. Because I was so disconcerted, I couldn't sleep in my own skin. And I was betraying myself by making this money that I, couldn't even, I didn't even have time to spend. And so sometimes those choices are really, really difficult. I just had to trust at that time I could trust my heart better. You know, I was 36 years old, so I had some time in me. Do you know what I mean? To trust that life was not going to dump me, you know, in a ditch someplace. I've not always chosen the safest path. This is Steve Goudier. I've made my mistakes, plenty of them. I sometimes jump too soon and fail to appreciate the consequences. But I've learned something important along the way. I've learned to heed the call of my heart. 
I've learned that the safest path is not always the best path, and I've learned that the voice of fear is not always to be trusted. And don't ignore pain. Appreciate its message. You need to change now. Pain is an indicator. It's an indicator that you need to take some action and that you need to take care of yourself. And if you don't know what that is, then you need to reach out and you need to get help. <laughs> I don't know I'm thinking of it. Paul was having trouble with a tooth. <laughs> and it was giving him great pain. And I was at the computer and I was doing my stuff. And at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, he goes, Colette, I need a dentist. 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I think it was a Friday, too, by the way. And I had passed by the kitchen table where he sits. You haven't been in my house, some of you, but he was sitting. And I saw some needle nose pliers on the, the table. And... <laughs> I was like, I wonder what, you know what I mean? It's just, they were out. And I go, okay, well, call, you know, we have a, a neighbor. I said, call the neighbor. And he's like, I, I need an appointment now. He goes, I tried to take the tooth out with the needle-nose pliers. <laughs> and he goes, it hurts so bad that I don't, I, I can't, it's unbearable now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> You know, and it's just, you know, we work and talk all the time about those kind of choices that, you, you know, he'd rather be in pain than go get help. Take the time out for himself to go get help. You know, it's a legacy, those kind of, that's when you know it's a legacy. And so you have to be gentle with yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because there's nobody who would ask for that pain. First thing you do first thing in the morning when you started to feel the pain would be call a dentist. And he waits until he can't take it out himself with needle-nose pliers. That's a legacy. You know, not being able to take time off to take care of yourself, to do the right thing, to treat yourself. Do you know what I mean? As somehow you're deserving of the pain. You know? Now, I can't, I'm just calling him out, but I'm like right behind him. I'm right behind him on some things. But pain is an indicator that you need some help. If you're not a dentist, then don't take out your own teeth. <laughs> so it made me think of it. <laughs> the truth. It is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution. Not that the truth is terrible, you know. But sometimes some truth will shake you to your core and change the way you feel about life as you know it. You know, it's hard not to. Um, I have these sheets that I, um, I printed out after the Las Vegas fire, the PTSD, and um, all of these fires that have been happening around us. You know, make, I've been reliving the powerhouse fire here all week long, only with great gratitude because it shifted and went around us. So we did not burn, you know? And that's a big deal. It's a big deal, and it's a terrible truth. 
that there are people today, three weeks from Christmas, you know, two weeks from Christmas, they don't have a home and belongings because they got burned. And you know, I, one of those great mysteries, I cannot step back far enough to know why some and why not others. And how the fires looks like they, it chooses its victims. Do you know what I mean? Because some houses are spared and next door it's gone. And I will never in my whole life understand that. But it's a terrible truth. You know? Now, I have to know that somewhere in their hearts is a path to follow after here. But they're going to need help. You don't just stand up and go. You know, hope, what's that? Right? After that happens to you, you know? And I can't even, I, I have no empathy because I, I can't even imagine. I can only imagine, but I can't actually in my body get an experience of what they might be going through, except to acknowledge that I know that they're going through something, some terrible truth in their lives right now. Ignorance leads to chaos, not knowledge. <clears throat> There's a lot of people in my philosophy who go, oh, I'm light and love. <laughs> Nothing can touch me, I am okay. I will always be okay. Standing in the ashes of your home. Do you know what I mean? That is not authentic. <laughs> it is a place to have a bottom for your grief, I must say. I learned that from a gentleman who um, was giving a speech after his daughter was killed in a car accident. She was in her 20s. And he had to show up and give this speech to this group of people at a retreat that I was going to. And it had just happened, like two weeks before. And he showed up and he did what he did and he said one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard is he said, you know, I'm not okay. And he was there to say, you know, light, love, <laughs> all of that, you know, what he usually teaches and he goes, I'm not okay. I won't be okay for a while. And he goes, but this philosophy gives me a bottom to my grief, which means he can only go so far, you know, with her and that loss, without losing his faith completely in what life is about and what he knows as a minister and as a teacher and what he was there to offer. And I will never forget that because he was able to stand up in front of that room and be rigorously honest, it gave me a tool that I can use in my life that gets me through just about anything that I've gone through since I've heard that. And it was about 10 years ago. And so I share that with you, this philosophy, your faith, your hope, what you know about life, what draws you here to even listen to a message like this is that you have some knowingness that what I'm saying is true about who you are authentically and who your true self is and that you have divine purpose. And if you're still sitting here, if you're standing in the ashes of your old life, you're still alive and you have choices, you know, and that hope will come back and that faith will come back. And I believe that. And I can believe it for someone who's experiencing it when they can't believe it for themselves. You know? 
But the last thing somebody suffering wants to hear is that it's going to get better. Do you know what I mean? Just let them be. Just let them be. And then be there. Because that's all you can do for a person who's suffering on that level. Do you know what I mean? And give them whatever you have to offer. Follow your heart. The root is longing with the facts. That's that truth. Do you know what I mean? The thing that's in your feet. The thing that you have have chosen to be in your life is to live the truth. When you want to do that, you have to live the truth and it roots into, into the ground. And then the facts support that. You know, not saying your truth, what does that feel like? You guys can't see your faces, but every single one of you had a little, you know. When you don't say your truth, no matter who does want to hear it, when you do not say your truth, as soon as you decide not to say your truth, you are now living falsely. You are now betraying yourself. You are now no longer being who you are. And you risk your own heart, you risk your own dream when you do those kind of setbacks to yourself. William Blake says, a truth that is told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. The truth isn't meant for you to use it as a weapon, by the way. That's why I go back to that other quote, that you have to tell your truth and to speak your truth in a way that people where they are can hear it. Don't use your truth as a weapon. It may be the truth. Do you know what I mean? But your truth also is that you want to help someone evolve into their own divine being, to help them live their divine truth, not to knock them down with the truth that you know that they can't hear yet that will devastate them and take them years to recover. That legacy I was talking about earlier, that everybody matters before you. Because that's a symptom, do you know what I mean, of someone who doesn't practice self-care. When I say it's a legacy, it's because you were told you didn't matter and other people and other things matter more than you. And then you're living that truth instead of your own. Your heart's desire is not another person, by the way. Just a reminder. <laughs> if another person crosses your path and you fall in love and it's right, you will feel it in your heart. But they were not the... Um, object, do you know what I mean, the landing zone, right? Another person is not your heart's desire. Your heart wants to be with that person, but your heart's desire is your destiny. You can't land over here in someone else's life and then that destiny is theirs. And you follow along in their footsteps. You're no longer living authentically if you believe that they are your heart's desire. Your heart's desire is here informing you. It's so simple yet so hard for some people to do. 
Shannon Adler says, if you want someone out of your life, then you and only you must tell them or her to leave. This can only be done by you. Otherwise, your silence shouts, I am undecided. When other people get involved, it sends mixed signals. If only more people would be so bold, hearts would not linger so long. You know those unconfrontables, those people where you don't want to hurt their feelings so you don't say what you need to say to them? Like I said, if your intention is not to hurt them and injure them with the truth, you know, then they, it's, there, it's on them to take that information and do what they need to do. Do you know what I mean? But nobody can say your truth for you, for them, to them. That makes sense? You don't get to say your truth if you are asking somebody else to do it for you. Or if you're relying on the fact that nobody did it. Because the person it lands on, if it's not coming from you, is never going to believe it wasn't, was you. And so they sit in the middle of, no, 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 it was the other person who came and told me. They interfered, but that's not the truth of what I should know about this other person. You know what I mean? They never accept it completely. Albert Einstein says, Albert Einstein says, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. It's the other way around. And Steve Jobs knew. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your inner voice. And most importantly, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. And don't confuse your path with your destination. Just because it's stormy now doesn't mean that you aren't headed for sunshine. That's the despite appearances to the contrary thing. Carl Jung once again says, the most intense conflicts, if overcome, leave behind a sense of security and calm that is not easily disturbed. It is just these intense conflicts and their conflagration, conflagration which are needed to produce valuable and lasting results. That's using your voice, speaking your truth, always. As hard as it is and how much conflict is in it, there is resolution behind it, and it never happens again to that kind of intensity when it is addressed by you using your heart's desire. That's what healing is. Coco Chanel says, hard times arouse an instinctive desire for authenticity. You know, when you're going through a hard time, there's only certain people you want around you. Who are those people? Do you know what I mean? Just think right now. Who are those people who you want around you when you're suffering? Because you get choicy. Do you know what I mean? You get really choosy, especially if you're trying to um, if you're trying to work through something and you're hurting. The last thing you want is the person who is needy more than what you need. And you avoid them like the plague, right? You don't pick up their phone calls. <laughs> you 
You know, there's a lot of, um, when they say a retreat, which we're trying to build here, you retreat on purpose so you can get yourself back together so you can remember who you are. So you don't have to use all of the energy to deflect the people who don't, you know what I mean, who can't get it. Do you know what I mean? The, the influences, you know? Seclusion isn't bad. Isolation is not great. But seclusion sometimes, just seclude yourself and get yourself together without interference. Until that pain is not taking you to your knees and you can get up and you can walk out amongst them without falling down on your knees again. That's recovery. That's self-care. And for those of anybody who is coming through any kind of recovery, do you know what I mean, from a fire or from anything else, you know what that feels like when the knees are winning. <laughs> you know? And then you have your tools, the ones that get you the energy, that light that fire of passion underneath you so that you can get off your knees and get where you need to go to have more self-care in your life. And those things are possible. Those tools are available. Don't give up your daydream. That little voice inside is telling you how to live your life with intent and purpose. That's Don Gluskin. Can you imagine how many of you got caught daydreaming in school? Hi, oh, every hand. Of course, if you're creative on any level, <laughs> you know. <laughs> If they were holding my attention, you know what I mean? You daydream. Wouldn't it be great if we had daydream time in school? Like if you caught someone daydreaming instead of saying, can you just pay attention? Do you know what I mean? Go to the principal. You're just punishment for having your mind take you into a beautiful fantasy. Now, if I was a teacher and I saw somebody daydreaming, I'd go, what, what? What, can you share? And if they were scared to share, I'd go, let's just take five minutes and daydream. Just sit and close your eyes and imagine. Take five minutes. Who was to say what happened? Can you imagine how that 15-minute exercise would be so inspiring to those kids? Take 15 minutes away from math. Do you know what I mean? To remember who you are and why you're learning math to begin with. Right? It would take 15 minutes, because not everybody's going to want to share. The shy ones are not going to raise their hand, but they're going to be appreciative that somebody else has daydreams where they can fly or be a mermaid in the ocean. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're going to resonate with somebody's, and they're going to go, oh, wow, I'm okay. And it's okay to dream. Nobody's out there, though, telling you you can't daydream anymore unless you have that kind of job. You know, you see the people, and it's like, you see them off, and they're looking, and it's like, where'd you go? I really want to know. <laughs> I really want to know. I would like to take my head out of the computer and look up and go, what you thinking? <laughs> take me on a mystery tour. <sighs> Daydream time. Every journey has its own traveler. Every dream has its own dreamer. 
We are all belonged to a specific journey and dream. Some people are currently looking for it. Some people are just figuring it out. Some people are still lost. And to some, they have finally found it. I feel like I finally found it. But the journeys are not, they're not done. Tasha Hogart says, you must never doubt your ability to achieve anything, become anything, overcome anything, and inspire everything. You always have that light. The moment one discovers one's true purpose in life, one will never dare to live one, one's life trying to impress others or worrying about what others think. When you truly get that, all of your decisions are what's best for you. And the confidence that comes with that is incredible. It makes your spine grow. Do you know what I mean? It lifts it up. Another word for hold your head up high starts down here. Fear is down here. You get lifted up from here. You can't hold your head up high without this shifting into your power. Once again, Carl Jung says, the privilege of a lifetime is become who you truly are. Our duty is to encourage everyone in his struggle to live up to his own highest ideal and strive at this time to make the ideal as near as possible to the truth. And Swami Vivekananda. Our duty is to help each other live our highest potential. And you need truth and authenticity and you need to know who you are and you need your heart for that. That's what you need. That's what you need. So Audre Day has this beautiful song called Rise Up, and I thought it was appropriate today. So I'm going to sing that for you. Audre Day. It's Audre Day, not Audre Day. Sorry about that. I know you feel like dying, but I promise. 
weight of the ache I'll rise up and I'll do it a thousand times again And we'll rise up high like the waves We'll rise up in spite of the ache We'll rise up and we'll do it a thousand times again Thank you, guys. Thank you, Edra. Jacob Norby says, you know that crazy heart of yours? The one with the lightning crackling and the moonlight shining through it? The one you've been told not to trust because it often led you off the beaten path? The one so many have misunderstood your entire life? Trust it? Feed it, grow it. It is your greatest treasure and will point you the way, your highest destiny. It is the voice inside your soul. So, namaste, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like what you heard and you think it is of benefit to you and with others, please share this podcast with your friends and your family. Also like us on Facebook at Wolf Wisdom Gathering and Shadowland Foundation. Um, you can also check out our website at shadowlandfoundation.org and um, we appreciate any donation that you would like to share with us. They are all tax deductible. So please help us. That would be great. Have a blessed, blessed week and we'll talk then. <laughs>